Savannah. I had a friend of mine from college that was from there. And so we, I went there for his wedding and loved it. And we just fell in kind of love with the town. And Holly and I had been there before for, you know, anniversary trip. And we just, we just love that area. But um, just north of Savannah is, is a, a, a place called St. Simon's Island. I don't know how many, if any of y'all ever been to St. Simon's Island or are familiar with that part of the world. But um, there is on St. Simon's Island a place that's even more special than that, and that's a place called Epworth-by-the-Sea. Epworth-by-the-Sea is basically for the South Georgia Conference of the United Methodist Church. It's more or less kind of their Camp Wesley Pines or, or kind, of, kind of their retreat center. They do summer camps there. And it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful place. And the significance of it is that when John Wesley came to America, he kind of came ashore there in that area. And Epworth-by-the-Sea is one of the first places where Wesley came into America and started doing ministry. So it's just, just a beautiful, beautiful place. I love it there. And uh, a few years back, I had the opportunity to go as a representative for the Mississippi Conference to an event called the Order of the Flame. The Order of the Flame is a, is a conference put on by a group called World Methodist Evangelism. And it, it, it's a gathering of, uh, of leaders from all over what they call pan-Methodism. It's all the different denominations that trace themselves back to John Wesley. So you have United Methodist, and African Methodist Episcopal, and African Methodist Episcopal Zion, Christian Methodist Episcopal, Nazarenes, basically any, any church that has a historic connection to John Wesley. And this, but this conference wasn't just about celebrating a connection to Wesley. But it was about something that's, that's very near and dear to my heart. And that's evangelism. The command of the Christian church to go forth and make disciples of all the world. In fact, this group is called Order of the Flame. Faithful leaders as mission evangelists. The notion that we as individuals, we are called, we are commanded, we are dictated by God to go out and, and to tell the good news of Jesus Christ to a world in need. And in that, one of the, one of the things I took away from that, it says this, that churches that have, an, have a heart for evangelism are led by pastors that have a heart for evangelism. John Wesley told his first followers, you have one job, and that is to save souls. Our church exists for that reason. So that people that do not know Jesus Christ can put their complete and total trust in Jesus Christ and Lord, as Lord and Savior. And there is nothing more that excites me, that motivates me, than seeing individuals make that first-time decision to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Because I believe it with all that I am and every fiber of my being. That religion does not save lives. Denominations do not save lives. Local churches do not save lives. Jesus Christ saves lives. And we are here for one reason and one reason only. And that is to see individuals put their faith in Jesus Christ. And that is something that I'm passionate about. And that's something that I want our church to be passionate about. Because I want our church to be a lighthouse in the storm. I want our church to be a place that no matter where you find yourself, no matter where you come from, no matter what belief system you may have, you know that when you come here, you're going to be loved on, you're going to be encouraged, and you are going to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. 
That is our mission, to lift him up so that all can come to that knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. It's about nothing else but Jesus Christ. Everything else falls into place when Christ is at the top. So this conference really encouraged me and motivated me to make sure that the churches that I serve are going to be passionate about evangelism, passionate about that last part of the journey, witness. In fact, this conference I learned that witness wasn't in the membership vows for the longest time. Prayers, presence, gifts, service. But then witness was added. That we are called to be a witness to Jesus Christ. But here's the problem, y'all. We're Methodists. We don't really do that. It's not, it's, it's not really our thing as Methodists. We're more better, you know, making casseroles. That's kind of our, it's kind of our, which by, by the way, we can make some casseroles. Let me tell you. I've attempted to fake being sick sometimes just to get some casseroles. Um, But here's what happens when those of us that are graceful do not lean into evangelism. We make the only form of evangelism out there kind of hellfire and brimstone. By the way, I believe in hell. I do. I think it's it's biblical. I believe folks will go there. I don't want to go there. But I'm motivated by Romans 2, 4. Do you not know that you are driven to repentance by the kindness of Christ? It is not fear of hell that motivates me, but it is the grace of God that motivates me to be faithful. We as Christians are called to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ because the world does not know, and how will they know unless they tell us? And we are called. We made this vow before God and before each other and our membership. We made this covenant before God and with each other. Even if we're not members, if we're part of this community, we have covenanted together to be faithful to God with our witness. What does that mean? I think our witness primarily exists in three major areas. The first way that our witness exists is with our words. The easiest form of evangelism, the easiest thing that you can do to to be an evangelist, the easiest thing you can do to lead folks to Christ, frankly, is invite them to church. Because when someone is invited to St. Matthew's, I know this, no matter what service they come to, be it 830, 11, or intersection, no matter what service they come to, when they come to St. Matthew's, they are going to hear the good news of Jesus Christ proclaimed. They are going to hear the gospel proclaimed in a graceful, loving manner, inviting everyone that's there to follow along with Jesus and to know him as Lord and Savior. When you invite someone to church, you are allowing someone to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Inviting folks to church is a form of evangelism, and it's the easiest. That's why we're doing the Star Wars thing in a few weeks. Invite folks here. But every Sunday, invite folks here. I was, I was at, a, at a, somewhere where I was, had to be present, but I didn't have any responsibilities, so I was just killing time. So I, what I did is I took some time, and I kind of went, and I looked at, I like to look at numbers. Uh, I'm not a big spreadsheet guy, but I love statistics. And I wanted to see local churches and what they worship and what their church attendance is like. And I looked at St. Matthew's. In 2012, our average worship attendance was 538. Then we declined from there. One year we downed about 500. Then we got down to the 490s. Last two, two years ago, we were at 512. And last year, we were at 513. So we're down by, um, I don't know, 26 people from 2015. 
Our average worship. Now, that said, we're tracking on a very positive manner. Right now, probably this year, we're averaging about 550 on a typical Sunday between our three services. And that's my goal. There's no reason in the world why our church should not average 550 people. I can't think of one. When we're, we can do this. And when people come to this place, they hear the good news of Jesus Christ. When people come here, they hear the grace of Jesus Christ. When people come here, and he's, y'all, we got no reason to be ashamed of our church, do we? We should be proud of what God's doing in worship. We should be proud of what God's doing in fellowship. We should be proud of what God's doing in our Sunday schools. We should be proud of what God's doing in our, in our service. We should be proud of what God's doing here, y'all. We should be excited about what God's doing here. We should want to tell folks about it. See, don't text me about where you're going, where to eat at, because I'll give you a list five miles long. Because I like to eat. I want to be as excited about the gospel and as excited about what this church is doing as I am anything else in my life. And do we brag on our church? Do we brag on what God's doing here like we brag on other things? I want us to be proud of our church, y'all. Proud of what's happening here. And not waiting to invite, but invite folks to be here with us. Of course, that gives me a chance to use my favorite worst statistic ever. You've probably heard it before. From the Hinton Rural Life Center, the typical United Methodist invites one person to church every 38 years. One every 38 years. And we always laugh because it's kind of funny. And then I ask, when was the last time you invited somebody to church? Who are you going to invite next week? Make your mind to invite somebody and start praying for them now. Invite them to be here because when they're invited to be here, they will hear the good news of Jesus Christ proclaimed. We give witness with our words. Not just inviting to church, but we, we tell our story. I had the good chance to talk to our conf- teach our confirmation class the last few weeks. Today we talked about free will and how stuff happens in our lives. And I believe with all that I am, Romans 8, 28, all things work for good. God has given you your story. It doesn't mean your story is perfect. It doesn't mean your story is easy. It doesn't even mean you've got to like your story. But God has given you your story. God has given you your life for a purpose, for your good and for his glory. One of the best ways we do evangelism is to tell our stories. It's about relationships, y'all. It's not about shoving religion down folks' throats. It's not about being mean and hateful, but it's about telling our stories. Without Jesus Christ, I would be a radically different person than I am right now. Uh, Without Jesus Christ, I would not be standing here right now. I was an angry, depressed young man before I knew Jesus. I used my amazing sense of humor (laughs) for evil and not for good. I was a bully. I was big, and I was sharp-witted, and I was quick on my feet, and I knew what hurt you, and I'd go there just to hurt you. I was not a good person before Jesus, y'all. I was not a good person. 
And Jesus Christ saved me. And he changed my life. And he changed the trajectory of my life. And I would be a different person were it not for Jesus. We tell our stories about what Jesus has done in our lives. That's evangelism. Not shoving religion down folks' throats. Not punching folks in the face for Jesus. But telling our stories. Telling our stories about how God has changed and affected our lives. So we give witness with our invitation to church with our words. We give witness by telling our stories. We give witness with our actions. The guy that led me to Christ never witnessed to me. Never sat me down and told me any of the four spiritual laws or did any of that. But like I said, I was an angry, depressed young man. And he had something I didn't have. He had peace. He had joy. He had hope. He had a life and a peace that I didn't have that I wanted. So he never told me, he said, Andy, let me tell you how to be a Christian. He just was one. He just lived his life in a way that let the light of Christ shine through him. And that led me to want to have what he had. His life proclaimed the gospel through how he lived. His actions. But then not just his actions towards Jesus, but his actions towards others. What, you know, it says, let your light do your good works for men that they may give glory to your Father. As Christians, we aren't called to just be a witness with our words or be a witness about leading folks to Jesus. We're supposed to be a witness with the reality of this. We live with the present reality that thy will is to be done upon earth as it is upon heaven. We live with the mindset and the reality that Jesus Christ is king now. So that means that we as Christians have to work to live in a world where there are no more hungry children. Work to live in a world where women do not fear abuse. Work to live in a world where there are no more broken or divided families. Work to live in a world where there is peace and love and charity and all these things. We are not called to live in the one day hope that Jesus might possibly perhaps be king. But we're called to live in the reality right now that Jesus Christ is king. And that's why we work through Madcap. To work to alleviate poverty in Madison County. That's why when a tornado comes to Hattiesburg, we hop in the car and go and help. Because our friends down there need help. That's why we send missionaries to Honduras. To work to provide families with lights that have never had lights before. To give water to families that have never had clean water before. We are being his witness, not just by telling folks about Jesus. Not just about loving folks to Jesus, but we're being his witness to work, to eliminate evil in our world. As you heard in the baptismal vows, to resist evil and injustice in whatever forms they present themselves. We work to be a witness to the power of God every day. We are called to be a witness with our words. Invite somebody to church next Sunday with our words telling our stories, with our actions living out the gospel, with our actions working to attack the stronghold of the devil. Will you be a witness? Will you be a witness?
to what Jesus Christ has done in your life. Because here's the thing. It's got to start here. One of my pastors used to always say growing up, you can't give witness to what you don't know. So do you know Jesus? Have you made the decision to make him Lord of your life? Or have we just been going through the religious motions? Have you made the decision to accept Jesus? Because until we know him, we can't truly give witness to him. Today, will you journey with me? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for giving us your light, your strength, and your power. Let us be your witness in all the places through your love. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing invitational hymn is going to be hymn number 590.